So welcome to yet another exciting edition of the uh, Thought Police podcast. It really is uh, taking off, and people have a lot of people have been saying to us, Matt. It's me, by the way, Mike Graham and Matt Kelly. Um, have been saying to me, why don't you guys do a bit more sport? Yeah. To which I said, well, once it's the football boring. season gets going, well, no, I said, once the football season gets going, you know, yeah. Matt's a bad Liverpool fan. Yeah. I'm sure he'll be boring the arse off everybody about how great Liverpool are yeah. and how they're going to win the league you again. You count on it. Oh, but certainly. Now, um, what I didn't expect that we would be doing, though, is talking about cricket. No. Because I'm not much of a cricket fan, to be honest, but we have just witnessed what is apparently the greatest game of cricket of all time ever played in the history of cricket. It was astonishing. It was. It? And it was almost like they had to sort of invent new rules to cope with it. Well, I mean, I was listening to or watching um, Wimbledon because in our house, tennis is more of a thing. Both of my kids played tennis. They've given up now, now that they're 14 and 12. You know, but for a while, they wanted to play tennis. So we got them tennis lessons yeah. and all that. So one of them's still quite keen on tennis. Um, and as I was kind of with two hands, I was playing with my phone. I was kind of keeping an eye on Twitter, keeping an eye on the cricket. And suddenly I started looking at the phone more than I was at the screen and thought, you know, when it when it went to sort of... I kept saying, now this is no use. You know, at one point I saw Piers Morgan was there. That's right. And he had gone, oh my God, 84 for four or something. Yeah. And I went, oh dear, you know, because I, at some, there are times when I invoke my Scottish heritage when England lose anything and, and sort of join in bashing them and saying <laughs> yeah. how great it is, you know. But of course, uh, as it started to get... And I thought, there's no way, because it looked like mathematically... They were having to score maybe nine runs per over. Yeah, then it went up to tw- it went and they weren't and they weren't point. doing that. Yeah, that's right. And I thought, well, there's no way this is going to happen. Right. Isn't it? They're going to lose, and yeah. it will be another glorious defeat for England. Um, but as what time went on, I started going. We should be watching this because yeah. it's now it's now getting interesting. Well, it was. I found it completely astonishing because, mm. like you, I, with like ten overs to go, I thought, well, there's just I know they can really up the scoring really quickly, but not to that extent. What I didn't realize was how the one day internationals are sort of tuned for those finishes yeah. so in the last 10 over you have the power play things in the first 10 overs in the last 10 you're overs you're already telling me things I know nothing yeah, about right. so in the power play you've got to have a certain number of fielders within I think it's 30 oh, really? metre ring okay. so that makes it much easier for you to slog fours and sixes right. well what I've noticed whenever I see a one day game and I don't watch very much of it um, is you seem to see a lot more a batsman kind of hitting it just with, before it bounces, just hitting it in, you know, right. on, the, on the volleys, if you like. Like that's Yorkers, the right word. hitting Yorkers. Is that what it is? A yeah. Well, a Yorkers when it bounces just where your bat is. Okay, oh, like a yeah. sort of half volley. Yeah. No, but you also see them just, you know, where, where the bowlers are kind of trying to hit the wickets, like yeah. from about a foot up. Yeah. And they just whack it. What you will have missed, because you didn't tune in, was, yeah. who was it? Was it Bairstow? Or, I can't, I can't, like you, you know, this, these guys are all pretty much new to me. Yeah. But there was, well, I only know Ben Stokes because he punched a guy yeah, that's right, outside a nightclub. Right, that's right. There, was, there were a couple of shots where he basically turned round 180 degrees right. and sort of scooped the ball up. Oh, well, over his head? Yeah, over right. his head, over the wicketkeeper's head, right. and it rolls on for four. Okay, because there's mean, nobody back there. Utterly amazing, yeah. utterly amazing. So skill. what was your circumstance? Were you sitting here with so, a family watching? No, and I was on my own, because okay. my, my uh, wife and kids have gone away for ah, uh, very nice their holiday weeks. We might have gone at the end of this week. They're in Nice yeah. at the moment. So right, you're like right. me, right? I yeah. pay for the holidays, but I can't go on all of them, <laughs> because I'm like, if I don't work, I don't get paid. Well, I, I would have to say, because she would absolutely <laughs> cut my nuts off if I didn't say this, my wife pays for her own holidays. God she, bless she her. She works and she does Can we do well. a marriage swap? Even not just for the holidays, I get some money in, you know. Otherwise, it's a bit of a nightmare. So I was anyway. I was down there watching it, unsure which to stick right. with, and the tennis couldn't have been more exciting. The tennis was incredible, absolutely amazing. Yeah, and 
Uh, and then, of course, there was this thing going on with the uh, with the cricket. Yeah. And so I was literally when the cricket went on, it went to Channel Four at some yes. point. On, uh, you know, but it wasn't on all day. Was it not for the whole? No, no, final? no. In fact, it was in the middle of uh, England's innings. Okay. So when it went to Channel Four, that meant on the TV guide mm. on the EPG, right. I could just skip three down okay. and hit the cricket and then bounce back up to the right. tennis hit the cricket right. so I was almost changing channel every yes. ball and every right. every serve you see I didn't start doing that until around about the final set was about something like 7-7 seven, seven or 8-8 eight, eight yeah. or something yeah. like that because that was another thing I didn't know I had no idea of this that they changed the, 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 yeah. the, the final set rule you know, as I was busy telling the kids, well, of course, this could go on forever. Yeah. It doesn't look as if anyone's going to get a two-game advantage. We could be here all night. What do you think you of know? that? That's coming for a lot of stick, that. People Actually, do you know what? I was talking out. to somebody about it today, and I thought it didn't seem premature, you right. know, because they were playing, there was the final set. Yeah. It was 12-12, and you're thinking to yourself, now they're going to, it could start to get a bit embarrassing, because right. it's a bit like a heavyweight kind of <laughs> fight where they, they literally could barely lift their arms yeah, anymore yeah, and they're just kind of yeah. bumping into each other. And, and the, the, the standard was still good, I think. I mean, Federer had just broken Djokovic. Yeah. I mean, Djokovic broke back, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. I mean, it was one of those weird games where one of them would win seven points in a row. Yeah. And then lose seven points in a row. That's right. And so it would sort of all sort itself out. I think it wasn't a bad thing. I think honest. they should have played it out. Because uh, I, also, I like that about Wimbledon. Is that mm. it's, you know, it's so eccentric like that. But yeah. the only thing I will say is that it was fantastic timing. Mm. Because the minute they finished yeah. that match, then you could go over and watch the well, last 20 minutes. Because one of the, of the things that really over. was irritating was that while I was, I'd started flipping backwards and forwards, by this time, of course, the mother of my children was getting completely wound up to a state of high excitement. Couldn't handle it. And was literally going, I'm going to need a drink. Because normally we don't drink on a Sunday because it's <laughs> back to school. Yeah. I'd have to drive back up to London. Yeah. She's like, oh, I said, we'll have a glass of wine. She managed to resist. But well, she, was, she was overawed with She excitement. was literally, I can't handle it. I need a drink. You know, it's unbelievable. And um, and she couldn't she couldn't stand the match points Inspired and the tennis. Inspired to taking alcohol yeah, I know. than taking on the sport. I know. So, so, you know, it's not always a good thing to no. have the sport on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. But... Um, but we crossed to the cricket, and they seem to wait around an awful lot. And we're going, what, what's happening? Yeah. You know, why? You know, what's, what's go, where are the? You know, why is nobody hitting anything? Why is nobody bowling? Yeah. And then we have to go back to the tennis. Yeah. So in the end, I got the iPad on the tennis so she could watch that, and we put the sound down on the on the on the cricket and and just kind of watched it yeah. happening. Amazing. But like I say, I mean, I've never actually even been to Lords. I've never been to. You probably have. I've, I've never been. To- been I've never been to any major cricket match at all yeah i've been to a couple of um sort of local games that i've just sat and watched around a bit and you know like piers does his does his annual event which i haven't been to either um and it's just we didn't do cricket at school it's just not what it's not in my blood really so i've been to lords once i think and it was to watch a county game okay and i have to tell you if people are sitting there thinking my god cricket's exciting isn't it must get down to the cricket Well, just pause and go and see a county match right. on a on a Thursday afternoon or something. Well, there, was about to... tw- there was about 20 people there, yeah. right, honestly, in Lords. I mean, absolutely Well, one of the things they were saying last night was after the game was finished and all the celebrations were going on, they were saying there's more people here now than there normally are for test matches. Yes. You know, just after totally. the game's finished. Yeah. Yeah. Because normally test matches aren't, aren't that difficult to get tickets for. And if you remember when Boris Johnson did his interview with, uh, with Talk Radio... And he was asked if he, you know, what was the last um, sporting event he went to. He said, oh, "I think I fell asleep at a cricket match," <laughs> which, which is what everybody seems to do. Well, that, that was what was so different about it. Because so I have, I've been to the Oval to watch uh, right. England Australia actually right. in the Ashes, which is in, you know, that's probably the well, the Ashes is in a couple of months. Piece, isn't it? That's right. So 
that was incredibly exciting, except for the fact that cricket, the nature of cricket, you're not kind of glued to mm. it ever. Right. You know, you're sort of going out, wandering yeah. around, getting a few beers, coming right. back, having a chat with your mates and all of that. Yeah. And that's what, that, it's a lovely day out. Right. But yesterday was like watching, you know, a Champions League final yeah. and having the beers and having your mates and yeah. having the glorious right. weather. I, I don't think it could be better really no. as a sports And event. I don't think as a, as a finale for a game, at any point in both of those games, I was saying, actually, do you know what? Whoever wins, yeah. it doesn't really matter. If England had lost... And it turns out they now won by an umpire's error yeah. because apparently they should, should have only, only been scored five, five runs instead right. of six. That was the other bit I couldn't understand because yeah. I always thought, and I'm going to sound really ignorant here, but you know when you're running and there's two guys running and they appear to score two runs but one of them's out, does that mean they only got one run? If they cross over. So yeah. when, when, if, you, if you, I think if you run across, yeah. touch your back down, right. and then run back and cross over, right. then you've got one you run in the back. You've still got the one, okay. Yeah. So yeah. That, that was what I wasn't sure yeah. about. Because one of the things that I loved about living in America, funnily enough, was baseball. I, you know, I always watched a bit of American football, but it's not a very complicated game. You know, mm. it's quite impressive to watch sometimes, and I still always watch the Super Bowl. But baseball is one of those games, it's like cricket. People who are into baseball are really into it. And there are so many really, really weird, um, you know, laws about it. And they've got two different leagues, which have slightly different rules. And I always remember, I went, I got taken to, funnily enough, um, the Boston Red Sox by a mate of mine who was in radio, who I'd met because his cousin was, was at university with me. And he said, I'm going to take you to Fenway Park, or Fenway Pack, as they call it, because it's like the oldest baseball ground in the world. Is it? Um, and we watched the Boston Red Sox. And this guy talked me through every single thing that was happening. So much so that I'd only been in America something like two weeks, and I ended up playing a game of Trivial Pursuit with uh, with my then girlfriend, who was later to become my wife, two other Americans. And we got to the end, and I was winning, right? And they said, uh, okay, well, we, we'll, we'll fox him now with the final question. We'll pick a sports question, because yeah. it was an American game. And they said, how many practice hits, how many practice pitches does the um, relief pitcher get when he comes into the eighth inning before he has to pitch a real pitch. <laughs> the what? And I went nine. And they were like, how the fuck did you know that? So what, he can, he can have nine practice throws? He can have nine throws. practice throws right. before he has to take over right. as, as, the, as, the, like, relief, as the relief pitcher. proper info. But that's yeah. proper info that yeah. this guy had told me. <laughs> and they, couldn't, they thought I was cheating. They were like, where have you got it written? But it's one of those amazing yeah. games, you know, where, like, for example, if you see them um, in the old days, there was a guy called Billy Martin who used to be the, um, the the coach of the Yankees, and he was famous for staring, you know, having screaming matches with the umpires. But you're not allowed to touch them, so they kick sand over them. Seen right? You've seen that, right? Because that means that they don't actually touch them, and yeah. it's not illegal. All of that kind of weird shit, you know, like how many outs you've got to throw, you know, how many, uh, you know, how many sort of designated hitters you're allowed to have. Yeah. It's a really fascinating game. Like I imagine cricket would be yeah. if you knew the ins and outs of it, but so, I don't. So I read a fascinating article ages ago about why cricket is a more sophisticated game than baseball. Right. And the, it comes down to the fact that in cricket, the ball bounces. You can bounce the right. ball. And so what you can do with the ball, whereas in baseball, you can throw it fast, you can curve right. it, you can throw it slow. But right. in cricket, you have every permutation. Yes. You can swing it, you mm. can spin it, you can do all of these things. And that's why... I think if you if you asked uh, somebody who was into cricket yeah. and baseball equally, they would say that cricket right. is actually the more sophisticated. Sure. But that would also be because they're English, and of course they would Possibly. think that they're more sophisticated Possibly. than the Americans anyway. And but, the other, right. but the other great thing was going back to the game was so Jofra Archer, 
whose name is only familiar to me because of me hearing it all the time yeah. on the radio this summer, you know. And all I can think of is Jeffrey Archer, Jeffrey Archer. which makes me want to vomit, you know, because <laughs> Jeffrey Archer's a ghastly individual. Yeah. But we'll come back to him. Um, and then he throws the first ball, and it's, it's, it's wide. wide. Yeah. And well, so I don't they, think it will. I, again, I have no idea what the rule is, so right. I'll, I'll, well, I'll, I'll comment freely. Did they not have a little sort of little thing? tram line. Yeah. Well, it was on the tram line. Now, right. does that, I've no idea. Yeah. Does that count or not? Well, apparently it was given. It was given <laughs> wide. Yeah, the fuck that. Well, it was about. given wide, and and I'm like, what are you doing? So yeah. suddenly, you're like shouting yeah. at this guy. Yeah, why have you given him the free run? I love still got another I six just, balls. I loved it that they backed this young lad, though. Yes, from, from, I mean he's only been in the team since May. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean they've scouted him, haven't they? He was born yeah. in, uh, in Barbados. In Barbados, right? Yeah. He's a brilliant. Apparently, one of the greatest bowlers that's ever been born. So because I was listening to his interviews after the game, driving back up to London. And people were saying, they were talking, I think they were talking to Owen Morgan. And he said, well, he's one of the greatest bowlers of his, of, not only of his generation, but of all time. Because yeah. they were saying, how did you know you were going to put him in? What about the pressure? He's only 23. Yeah. He's like, yeah, but that's what he does. He that's his so, job. He was so great. And also, I love, so Owen Morgan, you just name-checked, an Irishman. Irishman. Born in Dublin. Yeah. And Ben Stokes, of course. Who apparently isn't eligible to play for Ireland when they play England. So he has to play for England. Who? Owen Morgan. Oh, does he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, somebody was telling me this today, yeah. that, that when England play Ireland. Yeah whenever they play them, he's not eligible to play for Ireland. No, well, he can't. Once you play for... Yeah. Once you pick your nation, that's yeah. it. You can't... Right. It's not like Zola Budge. But I put out a tweet, people got quite wound up about it, that, you know, England and Wales have beaten uh, New Zealand with an Irish captain. You know, mm. isn't that what makes it great to be British? Yeah. And, and the course, New Zealand batsman. Ben yeah. Stokes is born in New Zealand. Yeah, but doesn't... Yeah, but I mean, does that make him a New Zealander? No, well, he makes him born he, in New Zealand. Yeah, it doesn't matter, does yeah. it? Well, I mean, you know, for England. Cliff Richard was no, born, I don't know what his Cliff Richard was born is. in India. No, well, that's the point you know, to me. And, and I don't think it matters where And we born. won't bring this back to Brexit because this is too good a conversation yeah. to spoil. But it did. There's plenty it, of Brexit angles. It though. did to me demonstrate what a glorious nation this is. You yes. know, and our links out to the mm. broader world. Right. And it would be tragic if, if we did become insular. I'm yeah. sure that won't happen. Although we didn't have anybody playing from France or Germany in the team as well. No, so but the French and Germany they don't play cricket. They don't play cricket. So we don't need. Well, actually, this actually. Sums up why well, Brexit will work. Reese Mogg said, said yeah. "Aha! So we don't need the yeah, Europeans." Yeah, but he was wrong though, wasn't he? Because actually, Idiot. technically, the Irish are in Europe. Of course they are. So he got not that wrong. Not just also, technically, mate. They are. I did wonder. I mean, it's not like a I technicality. Did, I did they ask. Are in Europe. Well, yeah, but they're not mainland Europe, are they? They're just part of the they're European Union. They're part of the European Union. Union. Just, yeah. Yes, they they're are. also part of the British Isles, even though we're not allowed to say that that's anymore right. because Can nobody you not? says no. Well, nobody calls it the British Isles anymore. Apparently, that's too much of a harking back to empire. Is it? But that's the other thing. Apparently, that we are now the champions of what are now called the colonial trio of sports, because we're the only team that have apparently won the World Cups in cricket, rugby and football. Is that right? We're the only ones. Yeah. Well, because if you think about it, Australia... Course, they don't play South Africa, football at a high level. You know, they're no. not very good at football. No. Well, they're better than, they're, than no. we've been at some football, you know, but, <laughs> but they've never won yeah. um, a, a football World Cup. Do you know, you've just reminded me of a... I know the, the audience like these old Fleet Street stories. They do. I was doing, um, I was doing shifts on the sun, right, um, uh, and it was about it was when Kelvin McKenzie was yeah. editing right, so it was obviously very complicated for me. But it was because Kelvin. It wasn't easy working for him. No, but so I remember there was a there was a front page. There was a page. We were getting battered at everything yeah. in rugby, in cricket, in football, right. everything. And basically, it was it was the reverse of now. Like right. we were just feeling crap at right. sport. That and, went on for quite a long time. Yeah, and Mackenzie had done this uh, page where he wanted. He said, "Well, go and find out everything that we are good at." Right. right? And someone had got this long list of stuff like we were good at, you know, obscure Chess, sports, all of this. Tiddlywinks. And the headline on it was something banal like, we are the champs or right. something like this, right? And I remember 
seeing Mackenzie pick this page up and looking at it and going, fucking shit headline, shit headline. <laughs> Who did this shit headline? <laughs> right, and everyone heads down. He said, right, and he read it. He said, right, I know, it's this. We can't play football, we can't play cricket, but we rule the world at one-arm golf. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very true. I mean, that's the funny thing as well, that all of the kind of excellence that we have brought to sport, I think, in the most recent times has come from outside of Britain. It's come from, um, you know, in rugby, it's come from uh, from New Zealand and Australia, yes. uh, or South Africa. So Although Clive so, Woodward, I think, set that yeah, up. Yeah, but Clive, well, Clive Woodward won the World Cup, and I don't think Clive Woodward is particularly genius-like in anything. No. I mean, you remember what happened when he went to Southampton Football Club? Yeah, didn't do no, anything. It, it bombed. I mean, it yeah. just didn't work. And yeah. I think it happened to work for England at that time because they had an incredibly good team. Yeah. Martin Johnson, captain, Johnny Wilkinson, you know, yeah. plus all the other people whose names I can't even think of at the moment. But, yeah. I mean, they were a magnificent team. Yeah. And also, they got lucky, too. I mean, you know, the last drop goal to win the World Cup. I That's remember right. watching it. I mean, That's I was... Right. There's a funny story for me. We were in... just moved... Well, we couldn't just move to Glasgow. We'd moved to Glasgow relatively recently. And we didn't have anything sort of England flag-like to do anything with. But my, my other half had a Union Jack towel which she hung out the window, which was immediately seen as a ranger. People started swearing. We had to bring it in. Of course. People yeah. were like, yeah, fucking bastards. You know, it was incredible. Welcome to class. Yeah. And of course, when you're in Scotland and England win something, they hate it as well. They've yeah. got no interest whatsoever in, yeah. uh, you know, in England winning the World Cup. No, that's right. And that was the other thing. Because I worked in Scotland uh, and indeed in Wales, um, whenever there was that awful, whenever there was a World Cup, Piers Morgan would get very excited. And he did a thing once where he said, I know, we're going to do um, a flag of St. George on every page, right? And inevitably, of course, um, in colour. Yeah. And we only were allowed a certain number of colour changes, otherwise we couldn't <laughs> so put the paper out. Well, I can't remember how we got around it. I think we ended up producing like a load of mono uh, pages instead of colour pages. I said, we can't, we can't go out in Scotland with the, with, with with the, the flag, flag of St. George. George. And you talk to the people in the print and they didn't understand it. I'm like, no, you don't get this. This is not, you know, we're not, we don't yeah. do it. We just can't do it. You know, I, I worked on the record, mm. the Daily Record yeah, yeah. for years. And I remember the first year I went up, they had a big marketing campaign. Right. And it was Daily Record made in Scotland. Mm. Right. That was the, the slogan. Right. And they had, they had 10,000 mugs made up right. with this thing on either side of the mug, Daily Record made right. in Scotland. And if you turn the mug over, it right. said made in England. On the, on the book. <laughs> So they had to, they had to, to oh. uh, scrap them I mean, all. it'd be better if we'd made in China, for Christ's sake. <laughs> just said made in England. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm young, I'm old enough to remember when I was a kid, and we used to go up to, to Scotland every Easter, my grandfather on my mother's side had worked in a, a factory like the, the Boilermakers, Babcock's and Wilcox's factory in, in Renfrew, right. and he was an old um, Scottish Daily Express reader. Yeah. When they moved the Express to Manchester and they didn't print it in Scotland anymore, he stopped buying it, yeah. along with almost everybody else. So it went from a sale of about... 150 odd thousand down to nothing amazing because people in Scotland were just like no we're not not interested I mean it's fascinating well for the the mail I remember when I was there the mail decided to move up there and and did very very well yeah as did the sun yes and it was only because they had a presence there you know and they took it very seriously yeah no absolutely right and do you know the Scots are per person the biggest consumers of newspapers in Europe that doesn't surprise me yeah yeah they read more newspapers than any any other people in in Europe right it's amazing it is amazing so let's talk about football a little bit as well because since we're going to talk sports I saw a story that I think should put the fear of God into people like you as a Liverpool fan yeah Manchester United have finally sorted out their transfer policy because yeah. uh, they've signed a bloke from Leicester who I think is going to transform their fortunes for 80 million quid. You're talking about... Same money as old cent- uh, Virgil van Dijk. 
Yeah, Mr. Maguire. Maguire, Harry yeah. Maguire. Yeah. Oh, are you sorry? Did you just put him in the same sentence well, the same as price. Virgil Van Dyke? Van Dyke. Well, it's the same. Pro- didn't they pay eighty million for him, Liverpool? Yes, they did. Yeah. So you know, I'm very good at remembering yeah. numbers. Like yeah. I'm like Rain Man. But everybody knows that English players have a massive premium in the Premier League. Well, that's Van true. Yeah. That's true. But it, in, fa- in fact, technically, since it's a year later. You'd probably say inflationary-wise, it's probably only about two-thirds of what yeah. Van Dyke... Is he going to sell loads of shirts, do you think? Is he I that kind of player? I think he is. I yeah. think he's a sort of Steve Bruce-type figure yeah. who's going to anchor the uh, Do you think the, many the kids walked around with Steve Bruce in the back of their shirts? Maybe not, but, yeah. you know, these are different times. Yeah. I mean, I see people... You know, you, it's no secret, I'm not giving away too much here, that you live not a million miles away from the old Arsenal ground. I do. I see people all the time walking in and out of the tube station who have clearly just come to sort of see the old stadium. Yeah. You know, kids oh, no, wearing Arsenal yeah. tops. Totally. You know, kids wearing, you know, Thierry Henry yeah. tops and all and that. And they can walk in, you know. Yeah, you can walk in and see it. I mean, when I was in America, funny enough, not long ago, I was in, um, without wishing to give away too much about my habits in terms of what I wear, <laughs> I was in a Ralph Lauren shop. Um, in It was an outlet, though, so it was cheap. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the guy who was cashing out my thing was like, oh, you're from Britain. He says, I'm going to go over there pretty soon. I said, oh, really? Are you? Why is that? He said, oh, I want to go see the Premier League. Premier League, as they call it. <laughs> and he was an Arsenal fan. Yeah. And he said, I want to go see the Emirates. I said, well, you know about Tottenham? No. I said, well, they've got a stadium now which is going to host an NFL team at yeah. some point. He was That's like, really? Right. So, I mean, there are people now coming to this country totally. to, to, to see the football. Totally. I mean, we always hear that there are these tourists who ruin the game because yeah. they don't know when to clap, they don't know when to stand up, they're too busy like taking selfies and all that. But, you know, Harry Maguire will be, I would say to you now, the quintessential kind of, you know, hard nut yeah. England centre central central defender. I think you'll be a centre half that everybody will talk about. For I think a long he's time. a terrific player, great header of the ball, yeah. strong, great passer of the he ball. He was great in the World yeah. Cup. Fantastic, fantastic. I mean he was one of the great players in the World and Cup. And to be honest, I mean look, I, I thought Leicester doing as well as they did the other year was fabulous. Yeah. But you know, frankly, hopefully and I say this as a Liverpool yeah. player, hopefully he'll get a better quality of football at Man United. I still think Man United are at least, you know, maybe 15 points off the pace from yeah. City. And because Liverpool. they haven't signed anyone, though. No. I mean, I always said this about Sir Alex Ferguson. He was he was a guy that left Manchester United in a terrible state. Now, you might argue that it wasn't his fault. You might argue that they wouldn't give him the money. Uh, but, he, but Manchester United allowing him and the chief exec Gill to leave at the same time was a massive mistake, right? Yeah. And he knew that that last title that he won was more by luck than judgment yeah. and they were out on their on their arse you that's know? right and, and they've never recovered no. and he then does even worse by nominating fucking David Moyes but isn't it fu- oh no that was I mean talk about a kiss of death was, I, I mean I've, I mean, I know that there are some people who always like to leave and put somebody in charge who's so much worse than them and it makes them look even better do you think that's what he but was thinking but surely he's not like that is he well I, I wonder whether he thought that Moyes was sort of cut from the same cloth he was and, and yeah. you know, demographically and yeah. geographically. He's and Moyes, by the way, who I've spoken to Lovely a few times, guy. is a really nice he's, bloke. Do you know what? He was at a sports writer's award dinner once, right? Yeah. And he was sat on a table, uh, two tables away. And my dad's an Everton fan. It was mm. when he was doing really well at Everton. Right. And everyone piling out to the bar. And I went over and I just sort of, I'll mention to him, I said, David, thank, on behalf of my father, he'd love to say thank you for yeah, what yeah. you're doing at Everton. Because right. you turned a shit club into, into something worth right. watching. And we then, I was stood there in conversation with him for the next 40 minutes right. about, about football. Really? About everything. And a very thoughtful guy. Brilliant yeah. guy. Yeah. Lovely guy. And surprising in a way that we're at this point now in, in the world of football in Britain where he doesn't have a job. Mm. How does that work? God knows. I mean, how can you tell me that every single manager in every single football club in the yeah. first top two divisions of this, of this country yeah. have people who are better than him? Well, he can always go into modelling, can't he? 
Well, he could, yeah, but I don't know what for though. I don't know what you'd, what you'd use him to model. By the way, you know, as you said, I live near um, in uh, Highbury, and it was my youngest uh, fifth birthday this weekend. Oh, yeah. right? So I was absolutely delighted when he told me that he wanted a Liverpool kit for. And his, how has that happened? For his birthday. Well, it's, it's very hard. no, no, no. It's not. I think he's just a very empathetic kid, so mm. he sort of could see my suffering <laughs> as he looked at his two elder siblings. The two older they're, siblings they're are Arsenal fans. fans. Is that so, because of where you live? Though? Yeah, I think so. I mean. I've always given them the choice, obviously, but I called, um, my eldest kid's called Theo, right? Mm. And I named him Theodore after Theodore Roosevelt, okay. who's a big hero of right. mine. And uh, six months later, Arsene Wenger signed Theo Walcott. Right. Right? So if you walk down Upper Street in Islington mm. now and shout Theo, about right. 12 kids turn around. Right. Everyone's called Theo in Islington. <laughs> and I just thought it was, it was just fundamentally, it was a bit like a boy called Sue, you know, yeah, it was yeah. fundamentally unfair to put him into an Islington school, yes. state school. And not have to be an Arsenal fan. So, right. so I got even got to the extent of getting season tickets, and I took them to the game yeah. for three years. But like all these things, right? As they get um, older, they they also tend to follow successful teams, don't yeah. they? I mean, they don't want to be fans of teams that aren't doing very well. I think that's well. That's my story. Is yeah. that all my family are Evertonians? Yeah. My grandfather played for Everton. Right. And I became a Liverpoolian because right. I was watching them in '77. Yeah. You know, as a, right. as a young kid watching yeah, yeah. everything in Europe. So. Mm. It was irresistible. But yeah, well, that's but right. Yeah, because I became a Man United fan because I saw them win the European Cup in 19, yeah. I was eight years old in 1968. Yeah. And it was George Best, Bobby Charlton. You know, it was just fantastic. Amazing. You know, yeah. I mean, and also in those days, I mean, again, going back to Mickey Brennan uh, and and the old days, the good old days of people like uh, George Best and, uh, and Rodney Marsh, who I got to know later on going over to America. Who, Rodney Marsh? Uh, Rodney Marsh went and played for the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Oh, right. And he's still over there now. I mean, he's, yeah. he still basically lives in America. And you know him? Um, yeah, because well, through TalkSport, he used to come course, over and he used to appear quite a lot. Very funny guy. Nice I, guy. I, I, I used to have the odd interaction on Twitter because yeah. um, he's very funny on Twitter as well. But, I mean, you know, the stories of, the, of, of George Best, there was, a, there was a woman called Anthea Disney um, who ended up running, um, I think she ended up running HarperCollins in America. Um, but she was a British, rather attractive young female journalist. Went to interview George Best, and ended up spending a weekend with him. Never came back. Never came out of the room. <laughs> I mean, this guy was legendary. I mean, forget about all the stuff. These, this is a genuine story, yeah. which he used to do all the time. And, I had something like that with Stan Collymore once at the Mirror. Oh, really? Oh, yes. I mean, oh. I think Stan, by his own admission, is mm. a sexaholic. He is a bit. Yeah. And uh, he's blocked me on Twitter, Stan. I introduced him to a girl, and that was the last. Time really? I spoke to him, yeah. Yeah, well, the less, less the I say about Stan Collymore, yeah. probably the better. You have to read it in my book, <laughs> which is coming out at the end of the year. But that's, I've, that's... T- I've got I've got the best Stan Collymore story. Have ever. you? Oh, is yeah. it worth? Can you tell it? Though? I can tell it. Yeah, because I've got loads of great Stan Collymore stories. I can't. No, no, tell. no, honestly, this is a true story. Because right. we bought up Stan Collymore's um, autobiography. Okay. And it was, you know, it was a really interesting read. I don't think we do it these days. It was all about how. You know, the circumstances around him hitting Ulrika in Paris oh, yeah. and all of this business and, and his problems with As witnessed by the Tartan army and Ali McCoy. Yeah, no, because that that's why, because yeah. they were winding him up, you know. Right. And uh, um, anyway, inexcusable, obviously, but, you know, he, he talked through the whole story. So we had three or four days of this uh, revelation. Mm. And on the last day, and we'd paid something like £120,000 for this book, yeah. right? Unthinkable right. now. You'd I know. never pay anything like that. Well, I mean, nowadays books get written just yeah. for the money they get from the book serialisation and nothing else. That's right, that's right. right. But in those days, you got a book like that and you could put on 10% serials yeah. every day for right. four or five days, so it made sense. Anyway, the last day, the night, at about nine o'clock, mm. I'm, I've just got home and I get this phone call from his agent, a fella called Simon Kennedy, oh, yeah. and he says, uh, Matt, look, I've got some stands got some extraordinary news he's, right. in, he's in a lot of trouble and I said oh Christ what's he done you right. know? 
And he said, I, I can't tell him. I can't tell you. He's going to have to tell you right. himself. Right. He's right here with me. So I'll pass you over. And right. I was like, bloody hell, what on right. earth is this? And so Stan comes on the phone and he says, yeah, Matt, it's Stanny. Look, uh, the thing is, I've been caught jogging. And I went, <laughs> oh, mate, you haven't, have you? Stan, what's dogging? Yeah. Like, so no one had it. Right. And he said, well, what happens is, and then he described what dogging right. was, and my jaw is on the floor. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, who's caught you, Stan? Right. Uh, the Sun newspaper, they've got photographs of me in the act. Oh, my God. I was God. like, oh, my God, this is it. Right. So I phoned Piers Morgan, who was the editor, yeah. right? And I got some quotes off Stan. And I phoned Piers Morgan and I said, Piers, I've got some extraordinary So you're assuming news. the son are running this today? Yeah, no, they, he, they, they, they've approached him for right. comments. And right. he's, you know, it's like pictures with like that kind of green night yeah, yeah. stuff of I, Stan. I, I mean, I remember the story. Of Stan Collymore leering over like a Ford Escort, right. you know, with this woman inside. Well, this was when we all discovered this amazing thing that went on in car talking. parks where you'd have, if your lights were on... It yeah. meant something. If well, your side I'm, lights are on, it means something else. I honestly think I introduced the word to the nation because right. I phoned Piers and yeah. I said, right, here's the news. Stan Collymore has been caught dogging. Right. And Piers said to me, bloody hell, has he? What's dogging? <laughs> <laughs> so I had to explain right. to Piers what dogging was. Yeah. And he went, oh my God. So right. then rushed back to the office, got it all over the front page. Yeah. And we had that morning... On the Daily Mirror front page, Stan Collymore, my dogging shame. Yes, right? And right. It, it was a better front page than the Sun's. Did you have brackets if you well, want to find out what dogging well, is, this please is the turn point. to page 78. I just know there was like two million mirror readers <laughs> that morning going, dirty bastard, what's dogging? What's dogging, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny, isn't it? Like there are all those kinds of, um, you know, words that have become now in common parlance. Yeah. All sorts of sexual deviance. Well, do you remember when have... bonking became yeah. a word? Yeah, bonking was a word right. for so, a long time, wasn't so it? So that was absolute manner from heaven, wasn't yeah. it? Because suddenly you could say, instead of, you know... You couldn't say shagging, could you? Shagging right. was considered too much. Right. Certainly couldn't say other words. Right. But suddenly you could say bonking. Yeah. It sounded nice and soft. Everyone knew what you were talking They've about. They've still never come up with one for a blowjob, though, because that's still um, a, a, a lewd sex act, isn't is it? Is it, yeah. I think when committing they describe a it... Sex committing a, a lewd sex act. Because there is that great kind of tabloid ink where public you know, they're basically shoving sex down your throat, not quite so much as they used to, yeah. and then being really Victorian about it and trying to <laughs> not really describe it. Like for the kids, you know, because yeah. uh, you don't want to infect anybody. That's but true. I mean, he is a liability, Collymore. Yeah. I mean, he really is. I mean, he, he had all there was all sorts of problems at Talksport when he worked there because yeah. he would tweet out. I mean, we had once we had a big massive demonstration of Falklands veterans because he decided one night to start having a go at the British Empire and how ludicrous it was yeah. that you know we'd gone to survive again to save the Falklands. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it was just always getting into I, trouble. I must be honest, I found I thought he was good. Commentary. I re- I enjoyed him when he was. Well, he was very passionate. Yeah. And I mean, he, and he was very good on the radio yeah. because he had a natural kind of ability to do yeah. it. But the trouble is, like a lot of people, he didn't know sort of. He didn't really know where the boundaries where the boundary were. Was, yeah. And and you know, it's all very well saying, you know, I'm not going to do what I'm told. But if you're not going to do what you're told, at some point, yeah. Um, you know, the people That's who right. want to tell you what to do are going to say, well, thanks very much, cheerio. Yeah. You That's know? right. That's right. That is the problem, but I mean, um, we have more or less managed to get to the end of this podcast without mentioning yeah. anything to do with Brexit. That's great. But what I did want to say to you uh, was that I have to report there was a very amusing exchange between um, Alistair Campbell, one of your many contributors at the New Year. My Report. editor at large, actually. Your editor at large, Piers Morgan, your former editor. Yeah. Uh, involving because I don't know if you saw it yesterday. Piers put out a picture of himself with Nigel Farage. Who should be the next uh, ambassador to the United States of America? <laughs> well, and, did he mean himself? Well, I, pres- I, I didn't read it that way yeah. the first yeah. time, but then the second time I thought, maybe that's what he means. Yeah. 
Because somebody actually did suggest that to me on the radio. You know, why don't you get Piers Morgan? I said, I don't think you could, they could afford it at this point. <laughs> um, but Campbell puts out a tweet to Piers going, you know, I don't think you realise quite how badly your association with people like this has on your image, right? And how awful it is um, uh, to, to see you posing with him, right? To which Piers responded, yeah, well, that's all very well, but... Uh, I, I think my image is harmed far more by, by being pictured with warmongers like you. Um, so please stop coming up and posing next to me at parties. <laughs> now, hang on a minute. Which is great. Piers, that's coming from Piers Morgan. Yeah, yeah, who, I know. Who, who, the man who invented who the invented sort of selfie. Who invented the my mate take that yeah, and all of this business. I know. Okay. But that's the great thing about yeah. the, all these people is they all kind of just get along with each yeah. other. And, I mean, I if mean, Al- Alistair and Piers were at a party together, they'd have a great old chat. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Same with Gary Lineker yeah. and Piers. You know, I mean... The, and Alan Sugar, I know that they're always taking the mickey out of each other, but they are all... They're very good very mates, yeah. Mates, yeah, know. well, being Piers always goes to see Tottenham games in Sugar's right. box, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's a curious thing. But anyway, so if you wanted to hear some sport, you've just heard some sport. Sorry about that, if well, you didn't. And also, what we should say, for those of you listening on a Tuesday, as this is just coming out, today we begin two podcasts a week instead of one. Yes. So you'll be able to now get another one on Thursday. I don't know if I can cope with all the excitement. Oh, it's very exciting. Do you think we'll have enough to talk about? Let's find out. I think we will. This is the Thought Police. Bye. But the other great thing was going back to the game was so Joffre Archer, whose a name is only familiar to me because of me hearing it all the time yeah. on the radio this summer, you know. And all I can think of is Jeffrey Archer, Jeffrey. which makes me want to vomit, you know, because <laughs> Jeffrey Archer's a ghastly individual. Yeah. But we'll come back to him. remember the first year I went up they had a big marketing campaign right. and it was daily record made in Scotland mm. right? that was the, the slogan right. and they had they had 10,000 mugs made up right. with this thing on either side of the mug daily record made right. in Scotland and if you turn the mug over it's right. made in England on the <laughs> So they had to, they had to, to oh. uh, scrap them I mean, all. it'd be better if it made in China, for Christ's sake. just said made in England. So I phoned Piers Morgan, who was the editor. Yeah. Right, and I got some quotes off Stan. I phoned Piers Morgan and I said, Piers, I've got some extra. So you're assuming the son of running this today? Yeah, no, they, he, they, they, they've approached him for right. comments. And right. it's, you know, it's like pictures... With like that kind of green night yeah, yeah. stuff of I, Stan. I, I mean, I remember the story of Stan Collymore leering over like a Ford Escort, right. you know, with this woman inside. Well, this was when we all discovered this amazing thing that went on in car talking. parks, where you'd have if your lights were on, it yeah. meant something. If well, your side I, lights were on, it means something else. I honestly think I introduced the word to the nation because right. I phoned Piers and yeah. he said, "Right, here's the news: Stan Collymore has been caught dogging." Right. And Piers said to me, "Bloody hell, has he? What's dogging?" <laughs> We can't play football, we can't play cricket, but we rule the world at one-armed golf. <laughs> <laughs>